Are you looking for a new job? Are you hiring but can't find diverse, talented candidates? You're in luck because we just upgraded our job board and we're here to help you out. Head on over to revisionpath.com forward slash jobs where you can browse job listings, post your own jobs, and sign up for email updates when new job listings are posted. This week on the job board, Glean is looking for a product designer in Manhattan in New York City. Work & Co. is looking for a resource management coordinator in Brooklyn, New York, and a senior designer in Atlanta, Georgia. MKG is looking for a talented and versatile senior 3D designer in either Brooklyn, New York, or Los Angeles, California. American Express is looking for several roles, a design manager, a senior UX designer, and a UX writer. Most of these roles are remote, but they are also looking for candidates in New York City and Phoenix, Arizona. Posting to our job board starts at just $99, way less than many other design job boards. And for an additional fee, you can have your listing advertised here on the podcast and reach tens of thousands of listeners. Make sure to head over to revisionpath.com forward slash jobs for more information on these listings and others. And while you're there, click on the talent tab at the top of the page and check out our new initiative with State of Black Design for companies and job seekers, the 10th Collective. It's free to be a member and you'll get warm introductions to companies that are looking to hire. Get started with us and expand your job search today. Revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Revision Path. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Maurice Cherry. Now, if you're a black designer listening to this and you're looking for your next opportunity, look no further. Look, I've seen the news. I've seen that people have been getting laid off from companies left and right over the past few weeks, and we want to help you out. So if you're looking for work right now, whether you're at a job or you just lost a job, we want you to join the 10th Collective. The 10th Collective is a new initiative from Revision Path and from State of Black Design, and the goal of it is to help black design professionals meet companies that are looking to hire them. It's a really great resource, whether you're looking for work or not, because you'll be connected with companies that are interested in talking to you and you can decide whether to talk to them or not. So you're not going to get spammed. Best of all, you can even hide your profile from certain companies or just be anonymous altogether. So far, we've got 27 people inside of the collective. We really want to get more folks in there. So if you want to be a part of this, join. It is free to join. Head over to thetenthcollective.com or you can check out the link in the show notes. This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Hover. Building your online brand has never been more important, and that begins with your domain name. Show the online community who you are and what you're passionate about with Hover. With over 400 plus domain extensions to choose from, including all the classics and some fun niche extensions, Hover is the only domain provider I use and trust. So what are you waiting for? Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. Now for this week's interview, I'm talking with Tracy L. Turner, a painter and fine artist located in Reno, Nevada. Let's start the show. All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. Hey, I am Tracy L. Turner. I am a visual artist specializing with in mostly oil painting, and I live in Reno, Nevada. <laughs> How's the year been going for you so far? It's been a lot of stop and go on my end. Late last year, I had a career change, so I've been trying to find the right job fit in my life, but and also reconnecting with with art and painting and that's been such a long process but this year feels like the time when I'm back at it and I'm having fun with it again I'm excited I'm inspired so 
that's been kind of the tone <laughs> since early January, just stopping and going with career and then picking art back up again. So that's been going. It's been slow, but it's going. Okay. I mean, it's good that you've, you know, have picked things back up again. Like now that you've done that, is there anything like in particular that you want to try to accomplish before the year ends? I want to get more organized. <laughs> I think I want to be even more intentional than I was about making art and what I'm trying to say and what this stage is. Cause I've definitely feel like I've pivoted in subject matter and just how I feel about art making in general. So I want to make sure that all of that comes together. What I'm trying to do is not get to the point where I'm not making art again for for a long time. Mm -hmm. That was just so hard. And so I want to build that momentum. I want to just not put too much pressure on myself. And I want to hopefully connect with people by commissions, hopefully. I think that that's a process that I want to start incorporating, just that collaboration. And I don't know, it's also a nice way to make a little side money, if I'm being honest. But I'm not focused on that so much. It's just making art and rediscovering what I like about it at this point in my life. Talk to me more about that pivot. I, I can tell, you know, from looking at your website that you have kind of done a lot of portraiture work. Is that what you're pivoting into or pivoting away from? I want to lean more into that now. Yeah. Back in school, that was when I discovered my love for depicting the human figure and portraits after, I don't know, just being young and trying things out and just figuring that part of the world out. I don't think I really stayed with that too often. But lately, I think that that's what I want to get back into. I think that's more my wheelhouse. I think that's where I'm most comfortable. And I like, well, as I mentioned before about the collaborative part, I like that part of things. So collaborating with a person and depicting them as a work of art (laughs) in my own way, I guess. Are you working on like any specific pieces now? I do have one that's in the works. It'll be probably the biggest one I've ever done size-wise and price-wise. So uh, it's a friend that reached out to me. She wants me to do a posthumous portrait of her mom. And it's taken a couple of years for us to finalize it, mostly because I think she was going through that grieving process. She wasn't ready for a while. And then our schedules needed to line up and I was in a slump and just like a whole bunch of things just got in the way of getting things started. But finally, we've gotten to that point and that's a piece that I got the green light to work on now. I'm happy with that because that's the statement I think I want to start making (laughs) with my work. Just having people know me, reach out to me, want me to do something for them. And we just kind of hash that out together. I want to see more of what that's like. Hmm. Nice. My brother is a, he's an artist in general. Like he does, or he has done in the past, like woodwork stuff and pencils and sketches. Like he got all the artistic ability in the family i am not that artistic by any stretch of the imagination (laughs) but he does a lot of portraiture as well like he's done he did my photo he did like a big 24 by 24 painting of me which i hate to say is sitting in storage because i was like this would be so weird to have in my apartment like a big ass picture of me it just it made me think of whitley gilbert from a different world and how she had like that warhol like four piece in her room like i don't want that would be weird but i mean he's a great artist i'm not saying that to diminish his talent (laughs) because he's done several of our family members and stuff so i mean there's a definite like market in portraiture absolutely it's it feels like a not a dying art i don't want to say that but it feels like a an art that's you just don't see that much of it now i guess maybe with the advent of technology you don't see that many 
like paintings like that. Mm-hmm. You're right. It is very old school. <laughs> and maybe even because I know back in the day, it was something that was always commissioned by rich people. So maybe there's kind of a class thing, too, that was involved. And I think also it's one of those things that there's not much else you can do with it. So I get what you're saying when (laughs) you say it's a quote unquote dying art. And I almost feel the same way too, but I'm just going to do it anyway, because that's what I like to do. And I mean, I still enjoy looking at how people do portraiture in their own way. I think I prefer more of, I would say maybe what, realistic representations than the ones that are super abstract. Mm-hmm. But as far as painting, yeah, I love what I'm seeing other people's interpretations of the medium. So, <laughs> Well, tell me about like, how do you approach like a new piece of art or a new portrait? What's your process like? Well, right now it's where it's coming from. A lot of it is coming from um, just, well, I want to do a series of, friends and family, I think. So it's <laughs> hearing you talk about your brother doing a portrait of you. It's like, oh, that hits close to home. I think that's what I'll be doing too. Just because it will make me feel good, I think. I think it's a way of memorializing these people and these connections that I have. You know, People that inspire me, people that uh, really understand me and who I feel just are doing amazing things in life, even though they may not think so. So I think I want to pull from that as inspiration. I've, it's been a while now, but I had started a series of memes and I was doing that as a way to practice getting into portraiture again in a way that was kind of fun. And it's super easy to find those images and you can get creative and people can connect with that because they've seen these things over and over again. So it's it's just uh, like an inside joke. And I like that aspect to it. So in, in that case with the memes, it's more about, well, what do I think is kind of funny? What do I think I can do? What do I think is going to resonate with people? Especially when I post it online, what are the jokes that we're going to be flying to each other back and forth? I definitely think about how it's going to be received. Maybe I shouldn't, but in that way, not in so much that I want them to critique my work, but just I think about how the work is going to have me connect with people once it's out there, for sure. Yeah, I've seen some of the the meme paintings. You've got them on your website. There's the Crying Jordan meme. (laughs) There's uh, New York from Flavor of Love sitting in the bed. There's uh, Nick Young with the question marks. These are good. These are really good. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting that you say that, like, you kind of will, will do some paintings to see how other people or sort of what the I don't want to say reaction, but like what other people think of it, because I feel like portraiture kind of invites that probably more so than other art forms. Portraiture really invites you to look at it because it's mm-hmm. in a way it kind of resembles a mirror because it's going to be in a frame of some sort, but it's something looking at you. You know, we have always seen in like movies and television shows that trope about like a painting's eyes following you throughout a room oh, or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it almost <laughs> invites you to have that, that sort of one-on-one connection. Yeah, absolutely. I've done a few self portraits and that's, been kind of a casual ongoing series for me, but but I want to be a little less inward now and just try to show how I'm viewing other things, I think. Did you have any sort of, I don't know, pandemic paintings? I know you said you kind of recently came back into it. It sounds like there might have been a time when you, you kind of lost the love for it. Yeah. Yeah. I know exactly when that happened too. It was before the pandemic. So this was back in 2017, I believe it was. I had an artist residency at the Torpedo Factory in Alexandria, Virginia. I was living in Reno at the time. I got accepted. So it meant going back home, essentially. And I was out there for about a month. And I hit a wall right after that. I think 
what it was was maybe I just expected too much from that experience. I think I went into it expecting that this is the moment that I'm really going to blow up. I've been grinding all these years. I've been doing this work. I've been developing this style that I feel like really speaks to me. It feels unique to me and had been doing shows and all that. And I did this artist residency and I thought that that was going to be the moment that I'm going to get noticed. I'm going to start getting gallery representations, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And maybe I shouldn't have done that. I don't know. Maybe I didn't really understand what an artist's residency experience was supposed to do. But but because I expected that and that's not really where it went, I felt really depressed <laughs> and lost my steam after that for quite a while. I thought, all right, I need to maybe reevaluate some things. Why am I doing this? Is it to be super well-known and make money and all this stuff? Or what if that never happens? Does that make me a failure? It was just all these questions that I had to sit back and look at and try to understand. <laughs> and it took several years, I'm not going to lie, of just sputtering, sputtering. And I didn't really do art for a while, maybe just a few one-offs here and there, but I just didn't feel like it. <laughs> So what ended up happening through that, I had started a little podcast on my own. It was called Art Life Confidential. When I put it out, I was in my mind, it was for other people because I was feeling so lost. <laughs> I wanted to try to pose these questions and answer them for other people. But I think it was also for me, too. It was just another way to try to connect and understand this thing that we're doing out here, being an artist, being a creative, whatever that is, this abstract thing that has sometimes very little physical payoff <laughs> in you know the 3D world. And I wanted to try to encourage myself and encourage other people to kind of keep going, even though I wasn't really doing anything. <laughs> and it took a while. And then I made some changes in my personal life. I fell in love. I have a partner now and um, we're raising his daughter together. I mean, that takes a lot of time out. I wasn't really doing art, but I was still just living life. Now that everything on that end is settled and I think my career path is actually has a little more direction now it feels maybe safer to bring art back in. At this point, I feel like I've grown. I've answered a lot of questions that I needed for myself. I understand what I want to do a little bit better. I understand the things I don't like about art <laughs> and just trying to focus on the things that I do appreciate. And it took well, like four or five years almost. And now I'm kind of feeling like, all right, I'm good. And I want to get back at it. <laughs> that was kind of the journey for the last couple of years in a nutshell. Well, I think what you're mentioning here, you know, I think, well, at least what I'm drawing from it also is that like, sometimes it's important to just live life, you know, mm -hmm. especially I think if you're doing something as tactical creatively as, as painting, there might be this notion that you just have to keep doing it all the time. And like, mm -hmm. if you, if you lose steam and you take a break from it and you just live life, maybe it'll come back. Maybe it, it won't. I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't diminish you as an artist when that happens. It just, it's life. It just happens. Yeah, you're right. And that is exactly what I have realized. And just that, I'm still an artist, even if it's not my main job. You know what I mean? I'm still an artist, even if I'm on a hiatus. That was something I noticed, too, even though I wasn't actually painting. Even creating a podcast and doing that is a creative thing. I was still drawn to being creative or talking about art. I was still making that connection, even though I wasn't exactly painting. I was writing a lot more. I think I may have even been doing more blogging. I 
started making YouTube videos. <laughs> just, it was just basically everything that I could think of that was still in a creative realm, even though it wasn't painting. And that helped me a lot. And it did reinforce that, well, you are still an artist. You can still do these things. And even if you're not doing those things, that's still who you are. And so once that hit (laughs) and I was able to actually embrace that, it just all finally clicked. And I feel really good now about where I am. And even though it is slower than I may be used to, I still have everything I need. I still know I can pick it back up and it's going to be great. Even if I'm rusty, you know, it it still brings me that joy. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) As you mentioned that, that just reminded me of like, I used to be a musician for a long time, a Mm -hmm. long time. And I gave it up, I guess, right around the time I turned 30. I was like, I need to focus on just doing something else. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like that, you know, you never lose that that talent. You always will want to do it in some way. So right. like for you, you never lost the will to keep creating. It just transformed into something else, which I think is, yeah, is like, absolutely. I think for creative, something really important to recognize. Yep, I completely agree. And hopefully that's encouraging too <laughs> for other people. It's one of the things, let's see, I want to say maybe in my early 20s. I think that's when I officially decided that I was going to be more focused on being a fine artist and developing my skills. As, as after art school, I would take these one-off classes or just, I don't know, you keep in touch with college friends and they start kind of falling off <laughs> real quickly. Mm-hmm. Once you hit the real world, you know what I mean? Maybe they still kind of doodle here and there. But in the art classes I would take after college, they were I would be the youngest one there. And then I was in conversation with one of the other students and they said, well, yeah, I used to paint or draw or whatever. I used to be this artist. And then life just happened. And then they would retire and... They're they're taking these classes, trying to connect with it again. And I remember thinking, dang, what happens in those 20, 30 years after (laughs) you just don't do it? It's just gone. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want that to be me. I always had that in the back of my mind, you know, just how do I keep this alive for myself? I don't want to be one of those people where it's just oh, life just happens. And then life just happened to me. And (laughs) then I stopped for a while. And I get it. I totally understand that yeah. now. <laughs> and I mean, and it, and it doesn't sound like you forced it either. I mean, you, right. when no. you sort of had the feeling of, of making art dying down, you just lived life and then it, it eventually came back to you. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I think that's a, I just think that's something that's important for creatives now to really know, especially in this like hustle, hustle kind of age that we're in right now where everything is about yeah doing all the things in all the places and all the platforms. And it's like, do you have to do that? Like, I look at these kids right. on TikTok. I'm like, that's a lot. I know people that have like quit jobs and like, I'm going to become a professional content creator in the back of my mind. I'm like, good luck with that. In For this, real. in this attention economy, good luck with that. I mean, <laughs> some of them are successful at it, but like they burn out in like two or three years. It's like yep. it's you run good. hot doing that stuff so much that you don't really give yourself the time to like recuperate to like fill up your own cup you can't pour from an empty cup and then what they say something like that yep it's very true yeah <laughs> absolutely so let's talk about your origin story you kind of uh, alluded to earlier being from dc like the dc metro area what was it like growing up there well i loved it so i lived in maryland just right outside of dc it was always just right at the cusp And I would say I had a pretty chill childhood for the most part. I see, I was exposed to art by my oldest brother because he would always draw. And I just liked what he was doing. And I was definitely way more introverted. So just any little task like that where it's like, I can just do this on my own to myself, I was drawn to. And it started because I asked him to teach me how to do bubble letters. And after that, <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of took off. I didn't know much about 
just the art history or fine art or anything like that. Not really at the time. It wasn't until college that I learned about all that stuff. But until then, it was just me just drawing, just a sketchbook and vibes, you know, just (laughs) (laughs) that that was a drawing anime characters all the time, obsessed. It was just so fun and so pure. And that's just how I knew that, okay, this is just what I'm supposed to do. I didn't know you could do it as a career until (laughs) I guess I had to start thinking about it after high school. My mom, she was just always supportive of me doing that, just whatever I wanted to do. She she knew I was into art. She's like, then go to art school. Let's let's check it out. What do you want to do? I was like, oh, I didn't know that there were schools for art. <laughs> I could just mm. go there and focus on that. That's what led me to, um, it's called something else now, but it, at the time it was Maryland College of Art and Design. It was um, a school in Silver Spring, Maryland. Uh, it's a, it was a two-year school. I went there and it was pretty awesome. I have to say I was around so many like-minded people and it was a mix of people. And that's when I've learned I loved paintings. Up until then, it was just drawing stuff, just pencil and paper, you know. Yeah, I got introduced to oil painting through those classes there and went to art museum in uh, downtown for the first time, National Gallery of Art. Later, they added the National Portrait Gallery, which is my favorite, <laughs> my mm-hmm. favorite one. Every time I go home, I always try to check to see what's new there. Yeah, I would say it was a pretty chill, easy kind of time. I graduated, though. I didn't have the confidence to present myself to the art scene there, though. I just wasn't ready. Maybe I just didn't think I was good enough. I didn't really have a direction at the time either. I just wanted to work at that point. I was like, I just want to work and move out of the house and I'll figure all that stuff out later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's what I did. I had started a blog. It was called, I don't even know if the domain stole up, but it was called um, Purple Paintbrush. Mm -hmm. And I went to the different art events in the city to write about him. I just thought that would be fun just to show, hey, this is what's going on. These are the events that are going on. Here's my perspective on took some pictures. And after a while, I thought, wait, I could do this. Wait, I'm an artist. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't I just do art? (laughs) I don't have to show other people. I can do my stuff. And that's when I started going back to take classes and was like, I don't know where this is going to go yet, but let me learn the skills. I took, um, I didn't learn much about art business in school. That's the one caveat to art school, honestly. You're mostly there for technique and I guess to network, but if you're not really good at that, then it's kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say it's unnecessary. Go if you want to go, but Personally, (laughs) I never went back to school full time because I just didn't think that I got enough out of it. And I learned way more once I was on my own and sought out resources. There's just so much that's out there for free. So, yeah, that's kind of how I started getting more serious, just reading books, looking at stuff online. They had free workshops around town. That's one thing I'll say about living in a metropolitan area compared to where I am now, which is a way smaller town. There's just so much to see and do and so many programs and workshops. You just have so much access. And so, um, and sometimes it's free. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I just took advantage of a lot of that. And I taught myself a little bit about how to present myself as an artist, how to go to galleries and, how to have start a website, all that stuff. <laughs> you kind of just picked it up on your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it was like, oh, you can do this yourself. And I was like, oh, okay. Then I'll just try it out. <laughs> 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 Why not? I had studied some design in school, so it didn't feel too out of the ordinary to try to come up with quote-unquote branding or graphics or to throw together a website or yeah just just like the the admin stuff I guess of being an artist (laughs) it's a lot of work (laughs) 
it's so much work marketing. And once, yeah, once social media was becoming a big thing and people started using that to promote themselves, it was like, I, I think I got on it kind of late, but it's still one of those things where you, you have to use it as a tool to yeah. put yourself out there. A lot of the contacts I've made have been because I just put myself out there. Somehow they found me or just being out and about talking to people, telling people, yeah, I'm an artist. Even if I didn't feel really believe it, it's just, you got to say it. <laughs> I mean, even just that was enough to open certain doors or to have opportunities, just saying it. Yeah. <laughs> now, while you were out there, like, this is post-college, you were you like taking these courses, you were you were blogging. By the way, your blog is very much still online. I'm looking at it right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's great. It's great. You should not be ashamed of it. This is I'm gonna read some of it and you might think this is really interesting. You said uh there's a section in a post that you wrote called Recap, Regroup, Restart. Mm, oh my gosh. <laughs> and in the in the regroup part, you say now that you've reviewed the year you've had, it's time to regroup. This is a planning stage. This should also be considered a resting stage. Yeah, take a bit of a break from life. But Tracy, how can I be productive if I'm taking a break? <laughs> Hush, because planning and chilling out is productive as long as you're intentional about your time and set a time limit. That's, I mean, you've got some good stuff here. You talk about a, a painting workshop that you did. At Bay Area Classic Arts Atelier. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dang. Oh, my gosh. This is bringing back I, I'm so not going to read it verbatim, but, like, it's if you still want to search it out, it's online. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I want to talk about your, your post-college work, because you said you were, like, taking these courses, doing all these things. You were writing about mm-hmm. your experience, which I think is, is amazing to do all of that. You were also working at a company. You are working at this place called Custom Inc., you were there for a, a long time. You were there for almost 15 years. How were you sort of balancing that along with your fine artwork? Well, it was the kind of job that, I mean, no shade to them, but it was the kind of job that where I could just turn it off. I didn't have to commit really tough. I didn't have to take it home with me. It was, and after a while, I got into the rhythm of it. It was like doing it with my eyes closed. So being at a job like that, where I didn't have to really put that much energy into it, it allowed me to pursue art and be excited about that and put the energy and passion into that. And I did it. I stayed there for so long because of it. Yeah. It was just a place I could park while I was trying to build this creative career, basically. And it fit. <laughs> it was just such a good fit for so long. And then maybe it's, I don't know, growing up, maturing, getting to a certain age. I got serious with my partner. And so we're figuring out plans for our future. I think all of that coming together made me think that I needed to do something else for my career. I was getting frustrated at the job. I wasn't really doing, uh, well, I should say I wasn't really grinding so much with art anymore. Mm -hmm. So it was like this, where do I put this energy now? And it was kind of a blessing and a curse being at that company. It was so good because I was able to do so much with my creative life. But then once I needed to change things, I had pigeonholed myself at this company. I couldn't really move up. I was only really good at that one thing. Luckily, (laughs) in grinding so much and doing all the things myself, as far as my art career, I still learned a bunch of different skills. So in evaluating that, I realized, okay, I can probably do marketing jobs. If I were to leave mm-hmm. this company, like I have this creative background. I know some sort of technical things. I know how to like the social media, digital marketing side. I mean, all that stuff I am really familiar with and kind of have to stay on top of. So I was like, someone's going to have to give me a shot. <laughs> so that was, that marked, it was maybe last August that marked the end. Oh, wow. 
my career there yet custom ink because I was like I need to fuel myself a different way now (laughs) wow so you were there from 2007 to 2021 that's a long time to be and 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 when I say it's a long time to be at one place I don't mean that in a bad way like I see what you're saying about how it can pigeonhole you when Mm -hmm. I think about how much the design industry has changed from 2007 to now and the fact that you were still able to kind of be at one company doing mm-hmm. design work is a feat. You should be super proud of that. Well, thank you for saying that. Oh my gosh, I had a completely different and probably disparaging. <laughs> well, cause, cause like what's, what's awesome in, perspective on it? Well, I think what's interesting with design is like certainly in the, in the 2000s, I think web design, visual design online was starting to be taken more seriously. Like when I came mm-hmm. into the web, which was like right near like the beginning of the 2000s or so, like you could either be a web designer, a web developer, or a webmaster. Like those were like mm-hmm. the three tasks you could do. And I would say probably even right around by the time of 2007, you were either like a web designer or a web developer. I think webmaster probably phased out and became right, system yeah. administrator or something. But there oh, wasn't that they much. They don't say webmaster anymore. <laughs> yeah. But like there's not that there back then there wasn't that much variation with what you could do with like design online. Mm-hmm. And then the 2010s was just all about, I feel like the rise of UX, the rise of product. Yes. You have so many tech-focused companies that are building these design teams that are not just visual designers, but there's also researchers, there's writers, there's all Mm -hmm. different matters of design coming out, like experience design and things like that. And so when I think about just how much it's changed and the fact that you were able to still be at one place, like that is a, a real feat because the industry has changed so much and you've still been able to kind of maintain at one place. That's really good. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, I came out of that experience thinking, dang, I really didn't. What what can I do after this? I've been here for so long. It was my first major job right after school. It did afford me a lot of different things as far as my independence goes. And it was through that job that I was able to move across the country to Reno and this is my home now. So I'm thankful for it. But at the same time, career wise, I thought, oh man, I should have had a backup or something. <laughs> because like what's cause what you see right now in the market. And I mean, right now is when we're recording, it's like late June. There's been a slate of like massive layoffs from mm-hmm. tech companies, mostly with their design teams. Like, and I know from building teams myself, I know from talking to other people that recruit, they're always like, oh, well, you know, these designers are like bouncing around. They're at one place for one year. They're at one place for two years. They're not staying and putting down roots. And the reality is it's hard to stay and put down roots now as a designer. Like it's super hard to do that because the way that companies, at least tech companies and design companies have changed so much and they're trying to really keep up with the market and with new advances and things like that, they're cycling people out. So it's tough to to like stay somewhere for a a long time. Like, I mean, I got back into working a nine to five in late 2017. And my first place that I worked at was a startup called glitch. And I worked there for roughly about two and a half years. And then like during the pandemic, they cut our whole department and then like, you know, and so after that, it's like I work for a startup. This startup's not an ideal place. Go somewhere else. Go to this startup. You know, like it, you yes. end up bouncing from place to place because you're trying to find a place to park. And the reality is, I mean, Custom Inc., you know, for what it's worth, like I've ordered from Custom Inc. They're a pretty stable company because people always yeah. need T-shirts. As long as there's a family reunion, a conference of some sort, people will always need printed custom swag of some sort so like i get that but like a lot of these tech startups are so like fly by night like you hope they're gonna stick around for five (laughs) years you know let alone whether or not you'll be there or not you just hope that the company is actually there because the market may change and focus on something else and now what you were doing two or three years ago is now phased out or obsolete and you got to <laughs> jump to something else so so true being yeah. at one place now is is a i mean for that long as long as you were there that really is something 
<laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Well, it was cool. It was really cool. I, I was. I think I was just so focused on what I was trying to do outside of there. It just. I don't know. It made it so easy. You know what I mean? I guess I didn't think so much about. Well, let me advance here and learn all these other stuff I can do here. It's. It was just. What can I do for my art? How do I learn what I need to do for art? Yeah. I think. I am very thankful that I was able to do that there for so long. Yeah. (laughs) Now, one thing that we're starting to see, I think probably over the past maybe 10, 15 years or so, is a lot more Black fine artists and their work starting to be exhibited in more like mainstream type of venues, whether that's at like a big art show or even like on a television show or an independent movie or something like that. You know, you mentioned the National Portrait Gallery. Of course, that had me thinking about the Obama portraits, which were by yeah. two black portrait artists, Kehinde Wiley and Amy Sherald. What do you think about that kind of like exposure? Like if you see, I don't know, I'm thinking specifically a while back, I had Donna Coro on the show and some of her work was featured on BET's The First Wives Club. Cool. Uh, and I was like, does that help you? As an artist, like that kind of exposure or what What do you think about it when, when black artists get that kind of like mainstream exposure? I think it's pretty awesome. At least that's how I feel about it for now. I hope it's something that can happen to me, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. Uh, I was like, let me just keep posting. Maybe somebody's going to want me to have my artwork in the background of their show or something. <laughs> I think it's super cool that... Black artists and creatives are getting that recognition. They're getting their flowers now rather than after they're dead. You know what I mean? Because there's just so many people out there really spearheading what that quote unquote genre (laughs) is, Mm -hmm. which is Black art and being a Black artist. I think the more we can see what people are doing, the better. So that was something... I struggled with for a while because I wouldn't say that I do black art necessarily, but I can also say, well, it is black art because I'm a black artist. So yeah, Mm -hmm. whatever I do is black art, but it seems like that term was only applied to a certain aesthetic. And it was something that I just didn't feel connected to. It was like the, they only want to see our work if it's, talking about or, or depicting the black experience or pain or just to something a- along those lines. But I like seeing now that there are artists that are doing just abstract art. They're doing whatever they want to do. They're drawing manga and comics now. And I've even seen meme art, you know, <laughs> it's just, I like seeing that there's a variety now of what's out there as far as what black artists are doing and what we're inspired by. It's not just about the struggle. It's not just about Afrocentric imagery. You know what I mean? There's just so much more to us. And so I think when, I mean, shoot, any sort of creative gets put on in a way like that, where it's just, I mean, I loved that the Kende Wiley, Amy Sherrill got their shine for sure for um, the Obama portraits. I thought that was such a milestone in art in general, you know, the, the just fine art and the business of art and then just black art history. <laughs> that's American history. That's, that's, I don't know, that was um, very inspiring especially for me as a portrait artist, to just see that, to see that and to have their work be seen by so many people that people flock from all over the world, probably the country for sure, to go see these artists' works. And I mean, I know they were pretty well known on their in their own right, but it's like to see them get launched up even higher. It's like, that's what we want. We, that's what we want to see. Yeah. Especially because, I mean, a lot of the artists that if, okay, when you ask someone, oh, who's your favorite artist or where you draw inspiration from, a lot of what we're used to hearing are the old masters, which are these like old white guys, which is fine. That's what, you know, that's what they were showing back then. But I want to know, well, who are the masters of now? Who are they going to be the people we're going to be citing 
a century from now or you know whomever and i'm i'm hoping that more black artists this is that moment where we're seeing oh okay here are going to be the masters of our future you know the future generations are going to be like yeah kahinde wiley that's my old master you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah no i think it's super cool really cool and i hope it keep continues to happen as long as it isn't exploitative you know <laughs> of course yeah so far i think it's been in celebration who are some of the like mentors that have really helped you out in your career man i wish i had a mentor has anybody taken application <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it's just been me out here but okay i will say there is a teacher that i had and um when i was back in art school he was uh, my painting teacher I guess I can't really say he was my mentor, but he was very inspiring and encouraging to me. And I do think of him often, especially now, because I feel like, man, I I have a little bit of a career. I don't I didn't know what this was going to look like for me 15, 20 years ago. But I can say, well, I've done some shows and I have series and I've written my art about my art. And I've just I just, I just have this whole presence now in a way that I never thought I would have. And I think back to those moments in classes with him when he encouraged me to experiment with color. There was just so much I didn't realize I could kind of do. And when I had the idea, even if I was hesitant, he's like, yeah, try it. You should do it. And he gave me critiques. And they were always very constructive and meaningful. And yeah, that was such a launch pad <laughs> for me. Just being able to have that influence so early in my art career. I, it's so funny. I, I did look him up recently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he knows, he's, he's still doing art and he is. He's still out there doing art. He's moved. So he doesn't teach um, at the school anymore. But yeah, he's, he looks happy living life. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'll reach out. <laughs> but I haven't yet. I don't know. I'm too scared. But <laughs> maybe after this, I'll, talking about it now would make me um, get the confidence to reach out and say what I just said <laughs> just now. Yeah, reach but. out to him. Give him give him the timestamp <laughs> on this episode, and he can just listen to it. <laughs> I will. <laughs> do you have like a a dream project that you'd love to do one day? So I would like to do, I haven't figured out who the famous person I would want to do yet is, but I would like a commission from somebody that's kind of famous or someone that finds me or maybe it's word mouth or maybe they hear me on this podcast and they want me to do a portrait or commission for them. That's, that would make me feel like, all right, I'm doing okay out here. <laughs> Just some celebrity or famous person reaches out, but I don't know who I want it to be yet. I think right now beggars can't be choosers. So, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're on, you're on YouTube, you're on TikTok, you're on social yeah. media, like shoot your shot. Like if there's a celebrity that you admire, just you know, like I'm think I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a portrait of them and see what they think about it. You know, go, out, get, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> so I want to go back to this podcast that you mentioned before, Art Life Confidential. You mentioned you're not doing the podcast anymore. Have you thought about sort of like picking the mic back up again? I really do want to. I have to figure out when like how is that going to fit into my schedule my life is a little bit packed (laughs) right now but I anticipate that it's going to kind of calm down soon so once that happens then I think that'll be the point where I kind of return to podcasting because I really do want to revisit that vision it was really fun. And I went through all that trouble to <laughs> make the website and the branding and everything. <laughs> and I had a whole bank of topics that I might have to retweak now because there's just so many newer things to talk about. Yeah, I think some of the stuff I wrote down is pretty outdated now. So yeah, I want to have a space or a resource in the podcast, basically, for other artists out there who are taking the leaps or want to advance their skills or their careers or they're learning 
well, kind of how I did. You know what I mean? Not everybody can afford to go to school. I barely was able to do it. So I would love to be able to build that out, a sort of resource for people or even just a space for people to commiserate or feel like, okay, I feel seen. I'm doing this thing. I'm not alone out here. There are so many other people who understand this crazy pursuit that we're doing (laughs) as artists. Mm -hmm. Nobody else gets it other than another creative person. So yeah, I had, I had such big dreams for that and I do want to get back to it. I, I don't know. There's a part of me that wants to be sort of like a mentor in that way. Not that I'm saying I know everything, but I don't know. I think about how hard it was for me just fishing around by myself, not having that guidance, just anything that I can offer from what I've learned or from what I've picked up from other people, I would love to put back out there for people so so they can have some sort of help, some sort of guidance. Just, I don't know. I, it gets dark. <laughs> it gets kind of dark in some of those moments as an artist. And I would love to kind of be a little bit of that light to help people just stay with it, you know? So yeah, hopefully soon, before the end of the year, I hope to have a couple more episodes added. Okay. I mean, you know, pace yourself. Like mm-hmm. the thing with, with podcasting is like, you know, eventually, you know, you want to build up to a schedule that your audience knows that they can, you know, depend on hearing, you know, episodes or stuff from you. But I don't think there's anything wrong, especially if you've already been doing podcasts. If you come back and just say, I'm just going to like do it maybe once a month or once mm-hmm. every two weeks. And like, you know, sort of roll into it slowly as you start to build back up to it. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. Like, you don't have to hop right back into like <laughs> every week or, or you know, something like that. Just at your own pace. It's your show. So you can do it how you want to. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking maybe I could do it in seasons. And mm, that's a good idea. Maybe, yeah, it could maybe be a once a month kind of thing or every two weeks. And then that's a season. And then I'll take some time, do what I need to do, then come back. Here's the new season. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think pacing myself is going to be key there because my life is just so different from where it was, shoot, even three, four years ago. Uh, I had so much time. (laughs) 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 So now it's like, how do I maintain all of that with a family basically? And shoot, I have, I have two jobs now because i'm crazy and just (laughs) (laughs) just all this stuff so yeah yeah i think pacing is going to be exactly what i need to figure out what do you want people to see when they look at your work okay this is a new answer because (laughs) it probably would have been a little different had you caught me a few years ago so what i'm going to say now is i want people to to notice the technique. I want people to, I don't know, because the style that I have, which is these bright colors, loose brushstrokes, I'm not super concerned with perfection with my work or having it look drawn super well. But, But aside from that, yeah, I want people to connect with the fact that this is my style. Now, I think when I started kind of developing, I want to say this, this style, it's not anything that's revolutionary or anything, but it feels unique to me at this point. I want people to see that this isn't an experiment anymore. This is my statement. This is what I want to do with this medium. And so I don't want to get boxed into a certain subject matter necessarily, though I think my work is always going to be humanistic in some way. I, I want to be able to just paint whatever I want to. <laughs> when people see my work, I want them to really connect with just how I'm using color. I think that's what I want at this point in, in my art career. Before, it probably would have been more about the emotional side of things. I was very much pulling from very deep personal emotions and experiences before. But 
that's just, I don't know. I guess I just, I guess I'm not interested in that anymore. <laughs> now it's just totally different. Now it's more about like, I want people to recognize that I am an accomplished painter. Like I know what I'm doing and <laughs> have, have just, I don't know, an admiration for the technique. I think that's, that's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you see yourself like in the next five years? Like, what do you envision this next chapter of your career to look like? Great question. I honestly haven't thought about that too much. I think I'm just, I'm so focused on just getting back on the horse. But to, okay, I'm just to kind of like go with what's first in my mind. Well, I want to have my own studio. I would love to have an official space where I do business and work and have and be able to have my own space, like an ample space <laughs> to create. Right now I have a room in the house and that's fine, but I think eventually I want it to be its own space where I can decorate and it's inviting. And if people want to come see my work and buy it there or if we want to sit down and talk about a commission together it's like here is a welcoming space (laughs) and this is a business space too I'm in a place where I can separate myself and focus on being creative and and recording and all that stuff that's I want to be a I feel like I've been serious, but I think the way I want it to look now is a little more mature. And so that's what where I hope to kind of be in five years where I'm still doing this, but it's in an actual official space. <laughs> well, just to kind of wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more information about you and your work and everything online? I am first going to direct people to my website because that's just the hub for everything. Plus, I have a blog on there that where I go more in depth about the stuff I'm doing and and where I share things. So my website is tracylturner.com. It's Tracy with an I. <laughs> and outside of that, I'm pretty much on every other social media platform you can think of. <laughs> um, I'm on TikTok and Instagram as Tracy L. Turner. And I have a YouTube channel. I think it's just Tracy L. Turner Art. And Twitter, though I'm not on there as much, but if you want to see my work and just the stuff I chat about on there. It's just at Trace Killer. <laughs> Anywhere else that, that where I am, I can't think of right now, but it is on my website. So that's the space that you can, where you can find everything. All right. Sounds good. Well, Tracy L. Turner, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I think one thing that I get from listening to your story and one thing that I hope listeners can can gain from this is that like, Making the art that you enjoy at the pace that makes sense to you is totally okay. Mm-hmm. I know that like this world is about rush, 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 get things done. You have to do more productivity, blah, blah, blah. Right. You can do your work on your own time, on your own terms. Nobody is rushed. Well, hopefully nobody is rushing you, but <laughs> don't feel like you have to have that pressure to be this kind of like artistic factory, you know, and I think certainly right. from what you've, you've mentioned and talked about this from your own life story, you're showing that you're living life and making art on your own terms, which is what we should all strive to do as creatives. So thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Maurice. I love what you're doing. I feel honored. <laughs> Big, big thanks to Tracy L. Turner. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Tracy and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Maurice Cherry, with engineering and editing by RJ Basilio. Our intro voiceover is by Music Man Dre, with intro and outro music by Yellow Speaker. Transcripts are provided by Brevity and Wit. This episode of Revision Path is also brought to you by Hover. 
Building your online brand has never been more important, and that begins with your domain name. Show the online community who you are and what you're passionate about with Hover. With over 400 plus domain extensions to choose from, including all the classics and fun niche extensions, Hover is the only domain provider I use and trust. Go to hover.com forward slash revision path and get 10% off your first purchase. So what did you think of the interview? Better yet, what do you think about the podcast overall? You know, we always love to hear from you, so please hit us up on social media. Don't be a stranger. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. Just search for Revision Path, all one word. Or you can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, or on Spotify. The more people you tell about the show, the bigger we become, and the further we can extend our reach to talk to Black designers, developers, artists, and other digital creatives from all over the world. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.